1: Welcome to Expanding Reality. I am your host, Brandon Thomas. On this episode, guys, a very special one. Lester Velez joins us. He is the chairman and co-founder of Opus, which we do talk all about. Uh, That is an acronym, of course, that stands for the Organization for Paranormal Understanding and Support. It's incredible. Incredible. So, his story about when he uh, was a part of MUFON and then uh, had all these abduction cases come in, and they were just like, Here, you take it. And he was like, Okay, well, I'll just start Opus. And it's incredible. So, he also wrote a book, which we talk quite a bit about, which of course are linked down in the show notes The Unknown Other and The Existential Proposition of Alien Contact. Uh, it's got a foreword by Lin- Linda Moulton Howe, which is really, really cool. So, um, Lester is fascinating. On this episode, guys, we talk not only about his book, but all of the awesome things contained with. Within, He covers some incredible topics, uh, specific UFO cases that he talks about that are detailed incredibly well in the book, as well as we go over um, some incredible experiences, uh, implants, uh, the concept of hybridization. We really go for it on this one, guys. But with Lester, you can do that. So... Uh, All the ways to find him will be linked down in the show notes, so make sure you take advantage of that, as well as all the uh, offerings that Opus has. So there's a support page online. There's all sorts of very interesting things. So all of that is linked down in the show notes, guys. Uh, Down there as well, if you'd like to expand your experience with us here on the show, you can do so at expandingrealitypodcast.com. So make sure you check that as well. Uh, Other than that, let's get to this, because Lester is awesome. So uh, without any further ado, here is Lester Velez. All right, ladies and gentlemen, extremely excited for this incredible episode with Lester Velez. You, of course, wrote an amazing book, The Unknown Other, An Existential Proposition of the Alien Contact, and it is so cool. This is a wonderful book. Um, I just wanted to tell you how impressed I was with your writing style and with all the information that you had in there. So before we get launching into this, do you mind just telling my audience a little bit about yourself?
0: Sure. Sure. Yeah, um, you know, I was a graduate of the University of Vermont and, uh, you know, subsequently got married or actually I was in the service and then got married and uh, uh, eventually uh, wound my way out to uh, California in 1985. Um, and I uh, picked up the newspaper one day and Stanton Freeman was going to talk about uh, UFOs and the government cover up. And so uh at San Jose city college. And I, I, went there expecting to see, you know, a handful of people, but the auditorium was packed. Uh, he gave one of his inimitable, uh, you know, lectures and, uh, on the way out, um, you know, I was pretty jazzed at that point and MUFON had a table, uh, in the foyer and, uh, hawking their monthly journal. And so I, I decided to get that. And after a while it, uh, you know wasn't enough for me and i became a field investigator and that's when things got really interesting because most of the cases uh, that i got involved with not only sightings but they were they were abduction type cases and uh, so that's when uh, as i say things got really interesting for me and uh, working with these people and understanding that uh, they they needed some type of help and uh, So, but I I think the story has to even go back further. Uh, When I was 11 years old, uh, I saw something. This is when I lived in Connecticut. One October evening, and this object was hovering over a tree line and not making a sound and just slowly moved off into the distance. And it was uh, an oval whitish type object. And of course uh, it scared the hell out of me and I ran into the house. And by the time I got there uh, into the house uh, to drag my father out uh, and finally convince him to do so, um, it was gone. And he said, well, it's probably a beacon of light reflecting off a cloud. And uh, well, I didn't quite buy that and decided to go to the library and, and, you know, look for some books on UFOs. And I did, I found, Georgia Damsky's books. <laughs> and uh, so that set me on a path uh, for quite a while uh, until I got into high school and girls became a little bit more interesting to me. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, eventually, uh, as I say, went off to college, University of Vermont, and uh, joined the ROTC, uh, became a field artillery officer. And, you uh, and as I said, uh, eventually I got married, uh, had a couple of kids and uh, moved out to California. So that's kind of the the, the intro. And in, in working with these people, they asked me, uh, you know, did I know of other people having similar experiences? And I said, yes, I do. So as it turned out, I, I began facilitating a support group in San Jose. and. Uh, <laughs> Some of the stories that I heard and, and the information that came across was was incredible. Uh, you know, nothing I had read, to, you know, up to that point uh, was as dramatic and as compelling as what these people were telling me. And uh, so, some of the cases that uh, I got involved with, um, one particular case uh, was this couple. Uh, and uh, they were picnicking in a, a, a state park uh, just north of Santa Cruz. And uh, uh, they were coming out of the park. It was almost dusk, and they noticed this light over the ocean. And uh, this, this light got bigger and bigger and, uh, until it was literally over their heads. And it turned out to be a triangular craft about the size of a small Learjet. And uh, it continued to go uh, into a canyon behind them. And they noticed another light over the ocean. And uh, this light got bigger and bigger, the same scenario until it was over their heads. And it was the same type of a craft. And uh, the first one, they felt they were looking at it. But the second one, they felt it was looking at them and they became frightened. And they backed up underneath a big old pine tree that was up there. And uh, so this happened five more times. There was a total of seven craft that were in this canyon and they were just sitting there horizontally one next to the other, kind of doing that butterfly action that UFOs tend to do. And then all of a sudden the whole group like went up in a vertical position and like they went around a corner, but there was no corner to go around. It was just like they went into another dimension. Um, well, Needless to say, at that point, they, they, they started to leave the park, and they felt very unusual at that point. They felt like they were on automatic pilot, like they were floating down out of the park. In this particular area, and I, I was out there with them actually looking at this area, is dark during the day because of the, the, the trees and the vegetation, and it's rocky. And to, in order to navigate that during the day is even difficult, let alone at night. And so they somehow just, just, as I said, floated down through there. And that's the last thing they remember until three hours later, ending up in a a restaurant in in a town called Pescadero, which is only five to 10 minutes away from the park. Uh, And so it would not take them three hours, but they had no recollection whatsoever of what had happened to them. And they ended up coming to uh, the support group meeting and uh, they had both developed a rash um, on their body in the groin area. And right away, people in in the support group said, well, was it poison ivy or poison oak? Because there's a lot of poison oak up in in that park. And uh, they had gone to a doctor and the doctor said, no, it's not poison ivy or oak. Uh, you know, I'm not sure what it is. And then uh, they had gone to another doctor, and he he posited the fact that, well, perhaps it's it's some internal, uh, you know, reaction to something. Uh, but I don't know what it could possibly be. So they had taken a picture, as I said, and they showed it around to the group. And almost without exception, uh, each member of the group said that they had a similar rash at one time or another, and. One of the people in the group said, well, I know what that's from. And of course we were, you know, kind of skeptical about that, but what came out of this person's mouth blew us away because what they had said was that this was a reaction to the fluid that they dip you in when they bring you on board the craft to sanitize.
1: (laughs) But only in that one particular area in the groin area.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, Perhaps because of um, being in that area, you know, it, it can be more moist or something and perhaps retain some of that uh, fluid. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's unusual. There's no question about it. But, but the explanation of what it was was, was, was mind-blowing. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, I've, I never heard that before. That's a first.
1: What's incredibly remarkable, because if you think about it, uh, these non-human entities, whatever they are, if they are doing this and abducting and dipping us into some sort of sanitizer, uh, whatever material that's made out of, I mean, all humans, you know, some of us have peanut allergies, some of us are allergic to different detergents. So you would think that. It's interesting that they could get such a ubiquitous compound that would be okay for everyone with maybe the result being like this slight rash. They're like, okay, we've tried everything in the universe. It turns out we could do this, but it's just a little bit of an irritating rash, so we're just going to go with that formula. Now, let me ask you, were the other people in the group that admitted to having a similar rash, did that all occur in the same location or were there different areas of the body?
0: There were some different areas, uh, some around the neck area, uh, some near the armpits. Um, uh, some still in the, in the in the upper thigh area, so yeah, it, it, it probably depended upon the person, you know, how how uh, you know they uh, they reacted and where it was uh, uh, you know
1: most prevalent for them. Yeah, that's interesting. And it's kind of like uh, you picture like cows, you know, in a cattle chute getting uh, flea dipped or something, you know, where they jump through that bath. And it's kind of like maybe that's part of the process. You know, it's interesting, um, but it makes sense. But also it's, it raises other questions like why do they need to sanitize us for their health, you know, or are they protecting us from what's on the craft?
0: Uh, that's a good question. I, I have no answer for that. Uh, <laughs> it's a, it's certainly a, a you know possibility of, of going both ways. Uh, you know that uh, protecting themselves uh, uh, from from whatever we have. Uh, Although, uh, you know, that's to me, that's why, I, you know, if I was an alien, <laughs> yeah. that I would, if I was bringing somebody, you know, like we, we go out to outer space and we bring stuff back, you know, and we, we make sure it's confined or in, in, a, in, a, in a, a vacuum sealed object and it's handled very carefully. Well, I think the same thing is going on with these aliens is that they're, they're trying to make sure that, uh, you know, they're not bringing something on board uh, rather than them giving something to us. I don't think they worry about that.
1: Yeah, no, it, they wouldn't. Um, it's kind of like uh, and we we talk about this quite a bit about the abduction phenomena. It's uh, kind of the motivation behind it. And, you know, how do they how do those entities view us? Like, are we just like some sort of experiment or some sort of prison planet idea where they can just come on in and just do whatever the hell they want and be OK with it? Because that was, I guess, going to lead me to my next question about this particularly was, is, uh, you know, have any humans ever gotten some sort of space bug, like some space virus from being taken on a UFO. And um, they were, you know, like you said, you know, they didn't really have any regards for our health or safety. Um, But it's interesting also that that stuff isn't more prevalent, that you don't have just like a bunch of space bacteria running around. It may, I, I don't know, prove that the universe is pretty ubiquitous as far as when it comes to contaminants. You know, maybe there's some stuff that's pretty universal, you know?
0: Well, I, I think that there, there definitely are a uh, physical effects that occur, uh, from people, uh, make, coming into contact, uh, mostly, uh, uh, most likely due to microwave energy, uh, even x-ray and gamma ray energy that, that uh, is, uh, uh, you know, part of the mechanism of, of these, uh, saucers, if you will, um, so in uh, and, and, and the latest book, uh, Skinwalkers at the Pentagon, they, they talk about a lot of different diseases that have occurred after contact, uh, especially with orbs, orbs coming, coming into the bodies uh, of people. Oh. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that, that, that was an interesting revelation. And uh, one of the studies that uh, we just uh, finished the first phase of the omega four study where we went out to therapists uh the what people are, are seeing uh, are uh you know grays first that i mean that that's still number one it's it's and i i think uh, one of our discussions uh, uh we had that uh, when we were on that panel uh Brandon, uh, we talked about the greys being like an iPhone, you know, every, every, you know, a mantid or, or Nordic goes out to this store in the universe and picks up a gray to, to go get us, you know, because they don't want to get involved with, you know, the pickup and, you know, the return uh, of the uh, entities, but the orbs are the number two thing that's most now cited by experiencers and then interdimensional beings, and then poltergeists, ghosts. So it's, uh, and, and, I, and I think that this this shows that all of this uh, paranormal stuff is connected. Uh, it, it's totally connected.
1: And uh, Could not agree more. Yeah, you know, that's, that's kind of the conclusion we're all drawing as well, is that it's just something, it's all the same damn thing, whatever it is, or it's connected in some way, for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you said you had uh, Peniston on your show here recently. Yeah, And, uh, uh, you know, the, the fact that these these entities were us coming back from 40,000 years in the future, you know, that's, that's mind-blowing right there. That's and fun, right? why are they coming back? Because they screwed up and they needed to collect, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, material uh, to, to take back. Uh, it's 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 an interesting uh, thought because you know people always ask, well, is it extraterrestrial? Is it interdimensional? Is it time travelers? Is it our military? Well, I think it's all the above. <laughs> Whatever you can possibly think of
1: I is agree. what it is. I completely agree with that, and there was an interesting thing I brought up too, Jim, as well. When I when I had him on about a, a friend of mine named Mira Taylor, she has a really interesting perspective, and she's real zoom out, big picture, and she kind of follows a more spiritual uh, aligned path with it, which with the idea, which would be that. Uh, basically that there's nothing here but you, okay? It goes the idea spiritually, okay? So this means that all entities, um, anything, paranormal, all of that stuff is you or a part of you on some level. You're just an individuated individuated piece of consciousness, right? Mm -hmm. So to the idea of the abduction phenomena, UFOs, aliens, all of that stuff, let's say perhaps, because there's been a couple of different things and and I'd love to talk to you about this, uh, is that some people say that they... So... One of the ideas goes is that whenever you look at abduction cases or, or visitation cases or contact, uh, especially in a structure or a home uh, where people are taken out, that these entities, whatever they are, seem to phase right through the wall or the window or solid objects, roofs at some times. It doesn't seem to be like physical barriers for us or not for them. So one of the interesting ideas is um, is that perhaps they take your astral body and leave your physical body behind, which would kind of call into question the dip that we need to do. Like why would Mm -hmm. they need to sanitize your, um, your astral body, (laughs) astral body? Right. right. Uh, There, there could be some other things about that though. But um, one of the interesting things is perhaps if they take your astral body, maybe the way that they present themselves as these craft, maybe it's just an apparatus to go within you. Have you ever seen that movie, uh, inner space with Martin short? I think it was an old movie It was back in the either nineties or eighties anyway, but they, they basically take a machine, a big submarine looking thing and they shrink it. And they put it um, oh, yeah. oh, into a yeah, bloodstream. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. perhaps it's something like that. And you go within yourself. That's where you're being abducted to. And these entities are part of you that are kind of a mechanism in which it, it's kind of, it buffers the experience a little bit to where it's not as jarring because you think that you're going on a craft and we have these, you know, sightings everywhere. That could be what sightings are. They just float around everywhere. And, um, Perhaps, you know, it's just one of those ideas. It's pretty interesting. What do you, yeah, what do you think?
0: And I, I think that uh, uh, in the book, in my book, uh, the story that Adam tells, uh, which is one of the first uh, in the book, talks about uh, breaking down the structure, okay, of, of the of the physical body in, in such a way that it can go through walls, go through windows or what have you. Um and, and then re- being reassembled okay uh, so and, and that's another way to look at it uh yeah i mean i think the the astral body thing is absolutely le- legitimate uh you know because of the way things happen uh but i think it, it could be a multitude of different ways that these entities are interacting with us whether it's disassembling our atoms and reassembling them like the, you know, the transporter. Yes, Uh, yes. (laughs) exactly. That thing goes through anything, you know? (laughs) Um, And, 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 and then you, of course you, then you have the astral body uh, uh, scenario, which is, I think is valid as well. Um, We just don't have definitive answers to this stuff. That's the problem.
1: We don't. And it seems like there's some ubiquitous cases to where there's some similarities that occur, but also there are other cases to where they take your astral body or your physical body or there's missing time or there's not. Or like um, Dr. Roger Lear, there's implants, which you do talk about in your book. Uh, These kind of things are very interesting that there are artifacts that people physically bring back from having an experience such as transmuting through a wall. That should be enough. But no, Mm -hmm. they, you know, introduce you to some hybrid child. Uh, And I want to talk about hybridization with you as well, which you do cover very well in your book. Um, So it is interesting, though, the different variety of phenomena, the flavor that they come in the variety of craft, the variety of entities. We know that there are some uh, commonalities like the greys, and we talk, we did talk about that on that panel. So that's how you and I met, by the way, everybody. Um, I'll go ahead and link the conversation that we had on um, Deep Share uh, Andy Rouse's podcast. Uh, he put together a wonderful panel, and uh, it's called The Witness, and so I will uh, go ahead and link that down there if you guys want to go check that out to make sure you do that. Um, and so on there, though, we were talking about all these different scenarios, and so one of the more interesting ones is – the, the commonalities, but also the differences and the uniqueness of it. So it seems like this is a very personal experience for folks um, that there hasn't been like mass abductions. You know, we you hear about Project Serpo and stuff like that. That's more of a voluntary thing if you if you follow the narrative on it. But, yeah. but mainly it's it's couples. It's a couple of people. What's the most amount of people that you can think of that have been abducted or taken at one time?
0: Yeah, I I mean, I I know that uh, Bud Hopkins uh, way back when there uh, had a group, uh, a couple of hundred people uh, that got abducted, that he got involved with. Um, I personally have only had uh, two people at a time, this this case that I just mentioned to you uh, earlier, Um, but it's mostly one, you know, one-on-one type of a scenario. Uh, It is rare to have, you know, larger numbers of people disappear, Uh, but it's not unheard of. You know, as I said, this case that Bud had uh, gotten involved in, I can't remember the details of it. I think it was down in South Carolina someplace, and uh, uh, and, uh, they were in a park or something, and, and then just all of a sudden disappeared. And then of course uh, Terry Lovelace, you know, he and his uh, buddy got got taken, and uh, and that that that's a hell of a story right there. And you know Terry Terry, by the way, is on our advisory panel uh, for Opus, and is along with uh, uh, Linda Moulton Howe, uh, Melinda Leslie, and Yvonne Smith. Uh, so we've, we're very lucky to have those those people involved with us as well. Uh, but yeah you know, the, the, there's, there's so many uh, facets of this phenomena. And, you know, you can look at it uh, from a psychological point of view. You can look at it from a, a, uh, a physics uh, standpoint. Uh, it needs to be looked at by all aspects. And, and that's, that's why we need more scientists involved in, in looking at this phenomena. And, you know, God bless old uh, Lou Elizondo uh, for sticking his neck out and trying to, you know, get this whole thing going. And, you know, people, some people talk about the fact that, well, he shouldn't be doing it the way he's doing it. But I think the only way you're going to get the attention of the government is to say it's a threat. Yep, <laughs> it's a possible true. threat, yep. you know, <laughs> because then then you'll get money. Then you'll get money. Um, and and so. Uh, but, uh yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you, you did have Linda Moulton how uh, wrote the foreword for the book. I mean, you have some some heavy hitters and some bangers in here, man, and you just discussed some wonderful things. So, of course, guys, the end another will be linked down in the show notes. Make sure that you guys check that out uh, for more on what we're talking about here. So you are the chairman and uh, co-founder of Opus. Do you mind uh, telling us a little bit about that? Sure.
0: So um, the story continues that, you know, after I, I started facilitating the support group, um I was written up in the Monterey Coast Weekly paper uh, about the things that I've I've been doing uh, for MUFON, uh, you know, investigating cases. And uh, there was a woman that was also written up in that same article, and her name was uh, Carol Austin. She's since passed away. And uh, so she contacted me and... uh, said, I'd like to understand what's going on with my brain waves when I'm in contact with these off-earthly entities. And I kind of sat there, kind of scratching my head. That's why I don't have a whole lot of hair. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, you know, I said, well, okay, that, that's interesting. And uh, then she said she was working with an emergency room doctor down in Carmel. And so uh I had a doctor friend by the name of uh, Eugene Lipson who was very interested in connecting with other doctors uh, that were uh interested in the phenomena. And so I called him up and I said, "Hey, Gene, let's let's go down and see this this lady and 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 see see you know what we can find out." And so we did. We went down there one Saturday afternoon and as we walked in there was a picture on the wall and uh, it was her standing on the back of a, of, of, a fairly good sized boat. And I said, well, you know, what, what's this all about? And she says, Oh yeah, I was helping these uh, uh, treasure hunters. And, and I said, where? And she said, in the Caribbean. And I said, Oh, how are you helping them? And she says, well, I was in contact with the captain of the galleon that had gone down.
1: No way. <laughs> this yeah. is brilliant. Why don't more people use mediums to find treasure? Oh my yeah. God! good call. So so
0: anyway, um, she, we find out that uh, after a near death experience, she became very psychic. Uh, and when you know, and this was something that uh, uh, the rest of the afternoon, she was telling us stuff about ourselves that there was no possible way I had never met her before. That uh, she certainly didn't know Jean and. We came away with, came away from that afternoon just blown away. Said, how can we possibly help a person like this? Yeah. <laughs> and that, so that, that became how, or, you know, Opus was hatched that afternoon at a hamburger joint, you know, saying, okay, we got to put an organization together. And so in 1994, uh, the Organization for Paranormal Understanding and Support uh, was offic- officially recognized by the IRS as a 501c3 Nonprofit organization, and that always cracks me up. That the uh, IRS and the paranormal uh, <laughs> go together.
1: <laughs> They're going to um, get theirs, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This life for the next, they'll get theirs.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and um, anyway, uh, so we 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 put together a group of people that I, I talk about in the book, uh, who were the initial uh, group that uh, we got together, uh, and really good people. And, uh, you know, we put our mission uh, statement together. Uh, and you can see all of that information uh, on our website at opusnetwork.org. Um, and basically, very simply put, the mission is to help people having paranormal experiences. And, and that covers a lot of area, you know, the paranormal. You know, you could have a spiritual awakening, uh, you know, uh, poltergeist activity. Uh, certainly UFO, uh, you know, abduction type cases. And as it turns out, for whatever reason, we, we have continued to get the majority of cases uh, centered around abductions and, you know, experiencers coming to us. I'll get two to three a week at, at minimum uh, people looking for help. And most of the time they're looking to get put into our online support group, which is I think has proven to be so beneficial for people because they can talk to other people having similar uh, experiences. And so this is, as I said, online, it's totally confidential. You have to go to our site, a uh, request support, there's a support button there. And you click on that and we ask you to fill out a, a short little form. And then either I get it or another member of our, of our organization gets it and then we do a little triage and, and then we, you know, Either you want to go in, sometimes they're looking for professional help. And most of the time they're looking for hypnotherapists. And so we have a resource list of hypnotherapists that we can, you know, utilize to uh, point them, you know, in the, in the right direction. Um, and, and that seems to, you know, be working out very well. And so the big thing for us right now, as far as what we're trying to do in the future um, is to, you um, Get the word out, you know, in a, in a bigger way and, and in more areas. And shows like yours, Brandon, are very important to us uh, because, you know, you talk about the book. And by the way, all proceeds of the sale of the book go directly to Opus. I don't I don't get a dime. <laughs> uh, and that's, you know, that that's my contribution to the cause here trying to. Make sure that we're funded. Uh, we can continue to do what we do because, of course, it, it takes money, <laughs> you know, to, to run a website, and uh, uh, none of this is free, and and so we do have to raise some some funds. But it's all tax deductible if if people donate uh, because we're a, a nonprofit organization. Um, so uh, anyway, that that's kind of it in a nutshell. Uh, what we're doing and. Uh, you know, we have a Facebook uh, presence. Uh, uh, we have a YouTube presence, uh, and uh, you know, we're we're now talking about getting involved with Instagram and even maybe TikTok. Uh, we just had a discussion about that the other night, so we'll we'll see where that goes. But um, anyway, um, you know, the the interesting thing you hit you hit it, and I, and I wanted to talk about this is reincarnation because in the book adam talks about reincarnation and one of the things that happened at a support group meeting uh, was that uh, a, a person said well i've seen you before and i said really where at a ufo conference uh, you know grocery store and he says no i saw you on board a craft um, i said oh really well that's interesting so i kind of i kind of blew it off and and then it was probably a year and a half, two years later, somebody totally different in the support group says, I've seen you before. I said, really? UFO conference, grocery store, gas station? No, 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 no. You were on a craft. You were sitting on this bench naked and you were freaking out. And they told me to go over to you and calm you down. Shut up. Well, so at that point, I decided, OK, I'm going to go get regressed. And I had three separate regressions, uh, three different people, and um, could not find out anything uh, with regard to alien contact. Uh, but I had multiple past lives, multiple past lives. And they, they all came up with past lives for me. And, and so later on, somebody said, you know what? You might have been abducted in a past life. Yes. You know, and and uh, and I think that's that can be totally possible. Um, and uh, you know, maybe what because people ask you why are you involved in all this? I said, well, you got to go back to when I was eleven years old and I saw this. I got really interested, and then you know, all these things fell into place. All these synchronicities, if you will, you know, falling falling in place and. When I've traveled around a country in my previous, you know, uh, job uh, before I retired, I, I was basically traveling around the country all the time. And it's, it was interesting how I would always seem to show up and end up in places that had significant sightings or, uh, you know, abductions or something like that. And, and, and it's like, well, I'm a little bit late because this happened. You know, but why am I here? You know, it's, it's just phenomenal how how this all, as you say, uh, I think earlier talked about synchronicities.
1: Dude, that is crazy. I've never even thought of that before. But of course, if you you know have multiple lives and you can recall those past lives, you'd be able to recall if you were abducted or not in those past lives. But what's interesting is that because there was no abduction that you could recall under hypnosis in this life, but mm-hmm. other people... More than one, independently of each other, have said that they have seen you specifically. Now, did they say you in the body that you're in now, or they just recognized you, like um, your energy? I,
0: I don't I don't know the, the answer to that. I, I I assumed it was in this body, in this body. But I I never I never even thought of asking that question.
1: <laughs> you know, it'd be crazy though, is if you appeared the way that you do now to people mm-hmm. that you meet in this life. Right. All of their lives. Like they can recognize you because the way that you present yourself in a way that they can recognize in this life presents itself that way and their recall of their past life memories or any memories that they have. Damn, that's crazy.
0: <laughs> it's that that's that's a conundrum. I, you know, who knows? I, I you know, and, and as you as you talk about this, it's it's like, yeah, there are questions to be asked, but, you know, that was so long ago now in the early nineties, you know, I don't even remember who, who I was talking to back then.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You're like mad TV was on, uh, was on TV. Um, you know, what, what's crazy about this too, is if you think about it and then you can, cause we apply a lot of different filters here. Um, a lot of it's uh, spiritual, we uh, look at a lot of different things. So one of the things that I was thinking about whenever you talk about this is, isn't, You're not necessarily not the entity that's abducting you. So let's say, for instance, that you start this journey. And I think this place is way more magical and and mysterious than we give it credit for a lot of times. Uh, So let's say one of the possibilities could be, just as a fun thought experiment, that perhaps you are the entities and you are all of your incarnations. So maybe you as a higher spiritual being or as a higher being manifested in this way as one of these beings, perhaps, uh, can come check on the individuated pieces of you and maybe come fix some things and do this throughout timelines because time doesn't necessarily exist, right? Just from our linear perspective we need that right but you could be actually your own like spirit guides your own aliens that come down or non-human intelligences that come down abduct you fix stuff on you or correct a timeline perhaps and then send you back out you know what I mean yeah no
0: I you know I've been told uh, in the past that uh, I was a commander of a Palladian ship cool uh, and, and it's like okay Um You know, again, I have no recollection of that. But
1: is that a possibility? Uh, Oh, yes. (laughs) Of course, Lester. Of course it's a possibility, brother. You know, and it's even more interesting, too, because maybe there's only a certain set of characters that you interact with in a lifetime, you know? And mm-hmm. so, perhaps in every lifetime, you kind of run around with these batch of folks, and some of the memories may overlap a little bit, or there's kind of a a fuzz or a haze to where they could be remembering something from a past life, where you were the commander of a Pleiadian ship, and then maybe they're getting a little too close to their higher selves. You know, maybe they're getting too close to kind of figuring something out, and then it's kind of, I don't know, dialed back or governed back a little bit, so that there's still a good amount of mystery. Which that alone would ask way more questions, right?
0: You know, there are so many cases where people are reincarnated and and they believe they're a certain person and they can talk about uh, various things. I heard this one case um, of of a person that uh, had missing fingers uh, uh, when they were uh, born and and, and part of a a, a toe uh, that was missing. And when they grew up, they, they, they believed that they were this particular person. And as it turned out, this, this person uh, had, they were able to track down who this person was, you know, in this previous, uh, you know, had, had obviously passed away. But they had missing fingers in exactly the same place, and the toe was missing in exactly the same place as this person that was born. And, and the, the person had these recollections of this person. I mean, it's, it's amazing. I mean, not only have you, you know, remembrances, but then physical aspects and, and person, another person was shot in a previous lifetime. And then this other person shows up with a, with a wound, obviously, just like a gunshot wound in the exact same place.
1: Did you hear, you hear of this so many in, um, in reincarnation accounts, uh, where kids, you know, there's several, there's a very famous one where a child, I believe in Russia somewhere, a small village could recall that he was murdered and buried under some tree in a town not too far away, but that he'd never been to. So he was finally so adamant about it. I believe that they just took him out to the tree, a couple towns away that again, he'd never been to. And he said, yeah, dig right here. It's in the middle of a huge field, nothing around ground undisturbed. They dig up, a body that ended up dying exactly the same way the kid said that it did and ended up being the name of the person that he said that they did. And these um, sort of trace evidence uh, marks or birthmarks. I, I hear birthmarks a lot in these cases to where they will, they will correspond exactly uh, size placement, everything to a wound that they can recall of how they died in a past life.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, that's the thing that's so, so remarkable uh, you know, and, and psychics ability to not only go back in the past, but in the present, but the future. Yes. And, you know, uh, matter of fact, uh, one of the people that I interviewed uh, that's on our Opus website is uh, Patricia Mona, who's a psychic out of uh, Calgary, Canada. And uh, she was working with a woman and uh, it hit her while they were having the session that uh, she felt that her son was in trouble and that, you know, the mother needed to be, you know, uh, very careful and, and uh, you know, watch the child because, uh, you know, there was a possibility that he might commit suicide. And so the mother just basically kind of blew it off, didn't, didn't believe it and uh, came back after, uh, you know, a month or so to the next session that she was having with her and found out that in fact, the son did commit suicide, oh.
1: you know? Jesus. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's stuff like that. Uh, and you know, another interesting thing that was pointed out to me about past lives is we refer to them as past lives because they happened in our history's past from our linear perspective but another great way to put it and kind of one that'll blow your mind even more is that they're simultaneous lives That so you're living all of these at the same time uh, that there is no past present and future just from our again perspective so that's even trippier and then when you talk about like ancestor healing and stuff, this concept of, um, you know, and it ties into scientifically uh, quantum entanglement to so where if uh, something happens to one particle, it affects the other over distances, time. Li- it doesn't matter. It's instantaneous. Right. That spooky action at a distance is Einstein. Right. Called it. Uh But if that's the case, then you could affect lives that you're living now that we consider past lives or future lives. That's one of the explanations of why psychics are able to tap into uh, the future and stuff like that. Like um, Psychic Warrior, of course, the remor- uh, remote viewing program, uh, that was something that they were able to do was look at Mars like millions of years ago. It's crazy to me, dude. How disorienting is that? <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: you, you should watch some of the latest uh, Star Trek, uh, um, you know, Discovery. They are time traveling and doing all kinds of crazy things, you know, (laughs) assembling, disassembling bodies and, uh, uh, you know, so uh, yeah, I think that's, you know, our future is, is there is no such thing as the future. As you said, it's all here now. You and that's how, I think that's how psychics are, are able to tap into this thing is that they can, they can, just look here and everything is presented to them for some way, somehow, um, you know, and, and they, they talk about, you know, like Gary Nolan and, and Kate Green talk about the fact that, well, that connection between the, the caudate and the putamen uh, are, 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 there's a lot more connections in people that have psychic abilities. Uh, and so there's a physical aspect to it as well. Um, and then, you know, these people are, are also seem to be, uh, you know, uh, being able to transmit or to uh, receive uh, messages uh, from whoever, uh, you know, whether it's uh, non-human intelligences, uh, just like uh, Carol Austin was doing, you know, when we went down there to talk with her, um, you talk about a rabbit hole you know you go down this rabbit hole and there's just all kinds of possibilities you know uh, alice in wonderland has nothing yeah. over
1: that that hole's pretty damn deep yep. uh, you know and what one thing that i do find very very interesting is whenever you start talking about past present future all of that stuff it's it's interesting though to psychic mediums especially that there's physical differences with them. They have extra connectivity, as you said. Uh, mm-hmm. So there would, would there be, a, I guess, augmentation that one human could undergo eventually, do you think, that um, would give them these gifts or abilities or their ability to tap in? Um,
0: I think that would be pretty tricky because, I mean, you're going deep into the brain uh, to do something like that. But that doesn't mean that uh, there isn't some type of a, a chip that could be developed that could do the same thing. Um, and, uh, but I think it's probably pretty far off. Uh, you know, and I think I, I had an Omni magazine. I, I don't know if you remember that series way back when Omni magazine. Um, yeah, it, uh, it was, it was a, a real, uh, forward looking, uh, magazine. They talked about all kinds of things. They talked about inserting chips in the back of, back of the brain uh to you know being able to speak a language like instantaneously or being a, a math whiz uh just by inserting a chip and they're, they're talking about doing that right now i mean that, that that's a reality and that was 30 years ago that this magazine was talking about that so where the hell are we going to be in another 30 years you know it's it's uh it, it's, it's phenomenal
1: um It is phenomenal. It's very interesting. And I think Neuralink is one of those things. It's one of those deals where, you know, Elon Musk wants to throw a chip in your head. Um, And, you know, this is uh, jokingly we have talked about that nobody's actually going to go to Mars. So you're going to have to be required to put this chip in your head. But really, they're going to just tell you that you went to Mars, like some total (laughs) recall shit. And uh, you actually don't go. It's going to be a lot cheaper just to throw chips in people's heads and sedate them for, you know, a year uh, than it would be to actually send people up there. Right. Uh, Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, it's an interesting idea. And then, of course, when you talk about people who have had near-death experiences that come back, one of those things that the chips uh, that you talked about, it seems like they're mimicking or attempting to mimic natural phenomena of people who come back from near-death experiences and, like, can play drums or speak fluent Mandarin or, you know, play the piano like crazy, and they've never been able to do that in their entire life. So it's like an automatic skill upgrade and upload. It's very interesting, man.
0: Yeah. Um I forget who who did that where they they uh, um, disabled uh, the the left part of the brain and in some way shape or form and then what was the, the right brain took over and uh, these people were able to you know play the violin like it you know it was going out of style and 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 various other skills uh, so there is a way to do that, uh, you know, become a, a savant, if you will, and, and by disabling certain parts of the brain, uh, which is the case with, with these people that have, you know, that, that condition, um, uh, it's, it's, there's so much to this thing and, and you just, you, you just, um, you know, every time you, you talk to another person, there's another aspect that, uh, pops in there and, uh, you know, you you need to you know dig around. I mean, uh, I think it's the uh, University of South Carolina uh, uh, that has has a basically a, a whole group of people that are looking at the paranormal now. Um, and uh, let's see, I've got a book. Oh yeah, here it is. Hold on a, a second. second. Sure. Get it. This, this 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 is a if I can get uh, uh, let's see if I can get this here. Uh, I've got my background on here, and it's not a green screen, so I don't know if you can see it. Anyway, this, this, this. Okay, here we go. Um, it's called
1: <laughs> oh, so it's just a little. There you go. All right, yeah. uh...
0: indestructible mind, or, or the irreducible mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. irreducible mind. It, this thing is like three inches thick, and um, it's towards the psychology for the 21st century by, uh, Edward E. Kelly and A- A- Emily, uh, Kelly, his wife, actually. And they talk about all of this psychic stuff and, uh, cases that they've been involved with. And, and I've, I'm only about, you know, <laughs> 10% through this thing, because it's pretty technical. Uh, And so now you have a group of people that are really interested in this phenomena and they, they put, they put on uh, various uh, seminars. Um, Yeah. Let's see. Where is this thing? Um, Trying to get you the, yeah, the irreducible.
1: You know what? And I'm going to go ahead and link it in the show notes for everybody that wants to go check it out. So just check the show notes for this book guys. And um, we'll, we'll make sure that you can check it out. That is awesome. And I mean, any kind of resource like that—we love that stuff. Um, it's fascinating, man. And there are just so many rabbit holes that you can go down. There are so many interesting ways to look at this stuff. And and I don't know from your experience—you've probably gotten the same conclusion I have—that the further you look into it, the more mysterious it becomes. You you get more ideas, but less answers. You know what I mean?
0: Exactly. Exactly. Uh, you know, when you work with a person, you know, and you hear their their story. Okay. Well. The stories, there are similarities to the stories. There are basic similarities, but then it goes off into whole different areas. I, I, uh, I was able to uh, speak with uh, Robert Salas, uh, you know, uh, who uh, was the uh, uh, commander of that uh, missile silo that uh, shut down, you know, at, at Maelstrom. And uh, come to find out that he and his wife are both experiencers.
1: Really? He was on the National Press Club. I didn't know he was an experiencer himself.
0: Yeah, he's he's an experiencer. And he sat down with me at the at the MUFON symposium in uh, this past August and told me the whole story, which was absolutely fascinating. And uh, they both, as I say, were abducted. And his wife actually became a healer afterwards. She got this ability to heal people afterwards. And, you know, not only are people getting healed uh, by some of these experiences, but also being able to heal. And I, I have a person that's in the uh, online support group up in Vancouver who uh, is a healer. And I had some back issues. And so we had a couple of sessions and he's in Vancouver and I'm here in Texas. And uh, I-, I was 100% better after he worked on me from distance. <laughs>
1: See, and I mean, how do they do that? Like people hypnotize over Zoom and stuff like that and send you a little Reiki energy and you feel better. Like what is yeah. going on with this? Is it a placebo thing? Is Are they tapping into some sort of field where they're able to isolate you and you, you've you got your focus on them with the intent of receiving healing? They've got the focus on sending healing out that will be received in a positive way. I mean, there, right. are, there are just so many interesting questions about this. And back what you said about... Uh, Got abducted, now I'm a healer. It, it kind of now lends more to that idea that perhaps there's some spiritual tinkering that's going on, that it's, it's a bigger thing. It's more than just physicality.
0: Yeah, Brandon, I, I totally agree with that. I've I, I always said that this is a spiritual journey that these people are on. Yep. Uh, you know, it may be uh, something that causes a lot of stress, uh, maybe even PTSD in the beginning, but after a while, people come to accept these things. And then in the later stages, when it stops that people, you know, it's almost like the Stockholm syndrome where they say, how come we're not coming for me anymore? Yeah. Um, and, and, and so the, it, it, it's so significant that uh, 70 to 80 percent of these people do not want to have the experience stop. Only, if, you know, maybe 20, 25 percent say, hey, yeah, I, I, I you know, it's a bad situation. I, I want it to stop. And then people say, well, you know, how could that be? How can some people feel positive and other people feel negative about it? You know, Allah, la Bud Hopkins and David Jacobs, it's all negative and Greer is all positive. Well, it's a combination, folks. I think that we, we're dealing just as we do here on Earth. We have good people and we have bad people. And I think we've got the same thing going on there, even within, uh, you know, particular uh, races, if you will, like, you know, some people have said that the, the reptoids are all bad, real badasses. And, and, and other people have said they're, they're loving. And, uh, you know, so <laughs> it's a mixed bag. It's such a mixed bag.
1: It's a mixed bag, but I think it can be quantified. And so the way that uh, kind of that I look at this, and a lot of other folks, I mean, is vibration. So um, even Kathleen Martin will tell you that uh, there's a there's a vibrational nature to being able to witness one of these crafts. And I've said it a ton of times, but there will be two people standing there. One will see a craft. One will not. Well, there are kind of systemic issues or things going on with them that make them stand out or vibrationally resonate at different frequencies. But maybe one could say that this occurs with the observer or the person receiving the information as well. If you've got some sort of predisposition or some sort of vibration in the universe, we know that like attracts like. So you bring forward to you what your most vibration, you're a most vibrational match for. So let's say people like Bud Hopkins, uh, Greer, they att- attract these lower level entities because that's where their vibration is. And so they're the perfect people to report on this because they have the interest, but also they're attracted. Acting a certain type of case, perhaps. Yeah.
0: No, absolutely. Um, I, I agree with that. Um, and, and, and I think, too, that there are physical aspects that are, you know, we supposedly have a very narrow uh, band that we can see, uh, yet maybe some people have a larger band. And so, therefore, perhaps this... this you know, vehicle that's out there uh, is vibrating at that frequency, and so this person can see it because he has that bandwidth. Uh, so, I, it gets, I think it's, it still gets even more complicated <laughs> because of that factor. You add in the phys- physicality of it, and then also the spirituality and, and, and the, uh, the frequency aspects of it. Uh, you know, are you prepared to to see something like this? You know, it's like you hear the story about you know the Indians seeing these ships of Columbus, and they they didn't really see them because they didn't recognize what the hell they were.
1: Invisible ships. I have heard of this, and this is fascinating. Yeah. Now, some people say it's bullshit. I don't think so. I I think you're right on this. Um, I think it is kind of a a brainwave thing. And I'm grateful that you brought that up. Good good call, man. That's a nice pull. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. So let's talk about uh, some hybridization uh, here real quick, because this is an interesting part of the reports. So what do you what do you think is going on with that?
0: Well, you know, I I vacillate back and forth on this thing. And, and, um, you know, if if you listen to what Gary Nolan talks about, you know, when people talk about hybrids is that there's no we do not have supposedly supposedly <laughs> in quotes, uh, you know, DNA of, of an alien. So we can't compare anything. So these people that come forward saying that they believe they're a hybrid, there's no way to test that, uh, you know, with these people. You know, if they, if they take their genes and they look at them and, you know, there's not really any difference uh you know from the quote unquote normal people <laughs> um, then then you know it, it's very difficult to say that they're a hybrid um However, if uh, you're familiar with the book uh, Rachel's Eyes" by Helen Luttrell um, Helen Helen yeah Rachel's eyes you want to find out about hybrids uh, Rachel uh, not only she, she was also in our support group in San Jose and she was uh, uh, had the hypnotherapy by uh, June Steiner, who was the past president of Opus and is still on the board. Um, her daughter went to school with a hybrid and and this person definitely looked different and uh, constantly wore uh, a large hat and, and glasses that c- covered the eyes. Military people would come to their dorm room. She went to, I I believe it was Humboldt uh, College um, and uh, delivering food for this person. And it was uh, in liquid form uh, that that's all she would eat. That's all she would eat. And Helen got involved with this one particular military guy and supposedly... uh, went off to a base that was like 90 miles southwest of ely nevada uh where a lot of of quote-unquote hybrid uh entities were, were were living and it was a group that was uh, uh, tasked with uh, retrieving uh you know crashed uh um, objects um uh, it's it's a it's a Fascinating book. It's a fascinating book. Uh, a lot of detail. Um, and uh, so when I, you know, I re- when I think about that, I say to myself, well, maybe there are hybrids, you know.
1: <laughs> well, then it calls in a, like so many questions. That is a fascinating story, by the way. So many damn questions. Like, so is this a U.S. government program? Do they have some sort of aliens that are entities or something, some physical bodies that they've uh, recovered, which allegedly they do? And then are they undertaking this project themselves, or is this an alien or a non human intelligence directed operation to where it's the extraterrestrials as we'll call them just for simplicity's sake extraterrestrials running the hybridization program and then of course the question is why like are they is there some sort of terraforming element to it do they need to bring the two species together is this more elusive to the um, future humans coming back in time machines kind of a thing because they have to adjust or you know uh, do something fantastical physically to their dna but they need us to help with that all of it just trips me the fuck out man i'll be honest with you it's (laughs) crazy
0: yeah, you know, it, it's like, it, it really goes back to the question of, can you trust what the aliens are telling people, uh, which they generally don't tell people a whole lot of, of anything. Um, you know, there's not, not, you know, you do have cases where people are told, you know, some scientific uh, data or, you know, the fact that they, they teach them how to fly a ship. Um, but uh, the the... The whole thing, uh, you know, can we trust w- what's going on? If they are hybridizing people, what's the purpose of that? And the purpose is that do they want to eventually take over, uh, you know, our society by creating these hybrids? Or is its is it self-preservation in some way, shape or form that they need to change themselves uh, and are utilizing uh, you know, the combination of our genes and, and theirs. So, uh, you know, is it a benevolent thing or is it a malevolent thing, uh, that is going on? And I don't think we have a definitive answer for that either.
1: I'm going to say, uh, malevolent just simply because they don't ask you like you don't, you don't give consent. If this is something, you know, where you're captured or taken, uh, cause that's what it is. I mean, you're basically taken, studied, uh, altered, you come back with junk rashes and all that kind of shit. um, <clears throat> You know, one of the interesting things is it does, though, as far as if we're looking at it just simply from a motivational standpoint, just outside looking in, if they don't ask you for your permission, then... That that's it, right? It's not. There's no consent there. You're just being abducted. It's not like we're going on a trip. You're being abducted. You're being taken. Uh, so if that's the case, then yeah, that would that would suck. But perhaps if we go back to the spirituality thing, if they're only taking or messing with your astral body, maybe you made some sort of agreement on the other side, and you've said, okay, I plan to be a part of this hybridization program, or I am volunteering. You know, it's a box you check, like being a donor on your uh, driver's license. Now you choose to be a donor or not. Maybe yeah. you could choose to protect. Participate in this or not, or maybe everyone gets abducted. Maybe it happens to all of us, and, and only a certain few remember. And maybe they have certain either skills, attributes, physical things to contribute to being aware that this had even happened to them.
0: You know, I think I, I like your last comment there uh, that all of us have been abducted at one time or another. And, uh, uh, you know, if you go back to the Roper. Uh, poll that was done back in the early 90s, you know, that uh, back, back then they talked about 6 million people supposedly uh, having been abducted in the United States. Well, this is a worldwide, uh, you know, phenomena. And can you imagine how many more people have been abducted since then? So if that's the case, uh, they're on a pretty good uh, schedule to uh, hybridize everybody.
1: <laughs> you know, I think it is something like this. The more I think about it, the more it's that it's either that it's a part of you and that we're super spiritual or yes, it's some sort of uh prison planted idea to where we're just a resource for them. We, we, they can just come take whatever DNA samples, uh, they can breed us, they can make hybrid kids, whatever, uh, and then just shag ass without us even knowing about it. Or some people misremembering or not even being able to recall in, uh, hypnosis. So what's interesting also is perhaps you were, uh, abducted in this life it's just you don't even remember in hypnosis there's just like a block there yeah that they won't let you remember i, I think right. it's probably way more ubiquitous than we think because if they have the ability to do this then they why the hell wouldn't they do it to everyone especially if they can pick and choose either screen memories or you know people have that all the time oh i saw an owl and then i'm, I'm missing three hours of time and then under hypnotic regression actually it wasn't an owl it was right. a gray it was this, this yeah. alien or whatever the hell they are uh, and it's interesting, man, the, the whole way that this thing plays out. But, but like you, I'm, I'm right there with you. It, it offers way more questions than answers. So um, let me ask you this. If, if you could figure one thing out about the phenomena, what would it be?
0: It, well, is it is it? Oh, that's a good question. That's a good question. Uh, what was rolling off my tongue right away was, is it real? You know, and what does real mean? Actually, uh, that's a
1: great answer.
0: <laughs> what does real mean? Um, you know, um, I've, I've seen things, you know, I've had a, a couple of sightings myself, uh, you know, objects. Uh, one night I was uh, sitting in my hot tub in California and uh, looked up and I saw this object. And I, at first I thought it was a satellite uh, because it was moving along kind of on a steady pace. And then all of a sudden it stopped and then it zigged one way and then zag the other way and then took off so you know but it's a dot of light you know so you can't make much out of it except it that's strange activity very strange activity so for me it, it, it is real it is real you know and 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 but i think there's obviously aspects of it that are beyond our understanding the magic you know is arthur c clark says you know their 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 technology is such that it looks like magic to us um, and and uh, you know being able to go through walls or windows you know without opening the window or you know putting a hole in the wall um it, it's just just amazing stuff and and i i wish i had more answers I, but i think that we just need to keep at it and keep talking about it and 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 discovering you know uh, more things that's why that irreducible mind book is is uh, something that my god if you if you want to uh, you know have something by your bedside to uh, you know read uh, maybe a chapter if you can get that far in the chapter uh, it's amazing amazing stuff that's being said in there
1: well, oh, it sounds it sounds incredible, and I'm definitely going to pick up a copy. So, thank you. Um, and of course, it'll be linked again, guys, down in the show notes as well as your book, The Unknown Other. Make sure that you go check this thing out. This is fantastic. I, I keep talking about it because it's it's amazing. So, there's thank one you. more one more thing I want to ask you about, and it is implants. So, talk to me about that.
0: Well, <laughs> yeah, th- this is this is something that's that a uh, well, lot of uh, experiencers come back with. Uh, that it's, it's a device that, uh, uh, you know, Dr. Roger Lear uh, was uh, famous for uh, taking these out. He didn't, had 17 patients that uh, he uh, uh, got involved with uh, where they removed these objects. And uh, matter of fact, hold on, let me just get, get to that uh, implant information.
1: Now, this is in your book as well. So I'm just going to, while you're grabbing that, uh, just let folks know that um, it, this is in the book. Now, the implants are one of the most interesting part of the phenomena. And I have just so many questions for you about that specifically. It's crazy. So,
0: so anyway, the bottom line is that there's no inflammatory or rejection reaction by the body mm-hmm. uh, with these things. Uh, no visible portal of entry. Um, uh, there's collections of uh, specialized nerve endings surrounding the object. Uh, an outer coating of ceramic biological material. Now, that's a very unusual combination. A metallic phase where inorganic metal becomes biological tissue. <laughs> um, the emission of radio waves, uh, which are deep space frequencies in the FM band, um, electromagnetic fields in excess of 10 milligauss, uh, composition of meteora- meteoric iron 66. Uh, rare earth metals such as U-236, a single isotope of uranium, exists existing by itself, as well as elements such as iridium, uh, which is very rare and hard to find in earth's crust. Uh, non-terrestrial isotopic ratios indicating the involved elements did not come from earth. Uh, and then he goes on and talks about nanotubes. Uh, and the, this particular patient that had these nanotubes, uh, was before nanotubes were invented mm-hmm. so <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and then gold spheres. And, and so it's it's like how are these things getting there and what why are they there? And so are they tracking devices? are they uh, uh, monitoring the person in some way physical? I've heard that uh, uh, they were utilized to check uh, pollution levels Would, Now that was a very specific. Uh, uh the thing as far as a, a person's body um so <laughs> you know uh you know is this a, a means of of controlling a person in some way shape or form um, or all the above or all the above
1: All the above. Um, Is it just like a piece of uh, the craft that they're whenever they turn from their astral body back to their physical body that they just got stuck in there somewhere? Uh, It is interesting, though, that they need to monitor and track with a physical object. Now, the properties of these are fascinating. And this is one of the reasons I asked is because, yes, it could be any of those things. But another thing could be that. It's an artifact of that something happened to you. I think this about missing time. So missing time, I feel in my mind, or one of the ideas I've got about it is that it exists as an artifact to be looked at, as a marker point for maybe somebody not willing to ask the question straight out or not into UFOs or any of this stuff. Uh, Maybe it's like, huh, well, I had three hours I can't account for. That's gonna burrow its way in your mind and you are gonna have to figure that thing out. Now, I don't think, if they are time travelers, number one, uh, missing time shouldn't be a thing. It's it's not a thing that's done accidentally because you don't need to do that. You just take them back at the time that you left and then that's it. And so the fact that there's missing time, though again, just like these implants, perhaps could be uh, kind of a marker that something crazy is going on here. And, and it, makes, it makes you ask further because it seems like the phenomena goes from, from different waves with humanity as a species. It goes as these crazy fairies or lights or something like that. And then now there are objects in the sky that look like craft that are metal or you know whatever solid in form uh, uh, they appear to be and then there are other things that stair step into this kind of ideology that keeps mankind invested you know we're, we're trying to figure out what the hell's going on here and these artifacts could be one of it the the I guess intellectual issue I've got with um, again something like missing time or implants uh, specifically is if they can just come scoop your ass up. They can phase you through a wall. They can either time travel or interdimensional travel. Why do they have to put a tag on you? Like, it's just <laughs> odd. You know, it seems like such a low tech uh, way to go about um, maintaining somebody.
0: Well, it's interesting because, you know, I've also th- thought about the fact that, well, you know, our biologists, uh, marine biologists go out there and they, they uh, pull a dolphin out of the water and uh, they uh, take a blood sample. Uh, they tag them okay and they throw him back in, in into his environment and then come back a year later and pull the same one out and then they check him again and they keep doing this they're they're following this particular dolphin um and i i i, I think that you know it's you know we're not at the top of the food chain and and, and so there there's a whole plethora of reasons why these aliens are, you know, people have said, well, you know, if they're so smart, they can just take one sample and they got it all figured out. They don't have to come back. They don't have to abduct anybody anymore. Well, the bottom line is, I think that there's a younger generation of aliens coming on and they need to learn. And so they bring them down here and they start doing the same thing.
1: I didn't even think of that. It's like teaching your son how to play catch or fish or something like yeah. that. All right, son, here's how you abduct a human being, you know, and maybe the bad experiences that they had or when they bungled it, you know, there's a learning curve. He's like, okay, it's all right, son. You'll get him next time. You know what I mean? Exactly. Damn.
0: <laughs> he... Listen, that's crazy,
1: dude. <laughs> uh, well, I... I, I love the hell out of this I think uh, we'll, we'll probably wrap it up here man but this is awesome I, I could talk to you forever about everything but let's definitely do this again man um, sure. you're just fascinating as hell dude I love this and um, <laughs> your book of course Thank The you. Unknown Other uh, will be linked down in the show notes as well as all the ways that Opus' resources are available I'm going to go ahead and link all that stuff as well as uh, the books that we've talked about so you guys have a lot of links to go down there and explore um, make sure that you get The Unknown Other again this is just one of the definitive books on the topic and you covered so many wonderful things in a wonderful way in here. Also, the case examples you have from Opus and other things are fascinating, man, because there was one in here. I was looking for it whenever we were talking about the um, aliens actually or extraterrestrials actually help them uh, do some crazy stuff like they were very engaging with them. Uh, and yeah, let them fly a craft or uh, talk to them, and kind of was patient enough to explain things to them, which I found fascinating. Uh, it's very rare that you hear that from these types of encounters.
0: It's it's it, that's true, absolutely true. And uh, we uh, hope to, uh, uh, in the second phase uh, of the uh, Omega Four study, uh, we're going to go out to the to the clients of these therapists that have participated in this study. And uh, I will get you a copy of the Phase One study, uh, you know, prior to our doing another show, because I, I think you'll find it re- really interesting.
1: I am so grateful. Anything you send me is interesting. So please do that. And yes, of course, your Omega studies, you do cover in the book. I think you had one through three in there. Uh, yeah. but those um, after that, though, uh, go go check this out, guys. So that's why I didn't touch on it. I want y'all guys to go check out the book and to read those because it it's done better in the book than than I could have just rattled off to you. So uh, make sure that you check that out. And Lester, I can't thank you enough for your time, dude. This was awesome.
0: Uh, thank you, Brandon. I really appreciate the opportunity to be with you. And uh, I, I found this uh, to be fun. And it, very interesting and, and informative because I learned some stuff from you. Today as
1: well, you know, and that's what it's all about, brother. It's just a swap of ideas. I think you you're an incredible resource for this because you've talked to so many damn people that have that have had these from uh, you know in this firsthand account. There's nothing like that because then you can really dip into the psychology. You can okay, what was going on, and and kind of ask about these ancillary phenomena that come about as well. And you're you're wise enough with the topic, and this is why I love researchers like you, is you don't pigeonhole it into one thing or another. You really are the open minded kind of person that we need doing this kind of research. So thank you again for everything. Thank you. Thank you for that.
0: I appreciate it very much.
1: Of course. Well, we'll do it again soon, man. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Brandon. Lester Velez, ladies and gentlemen, all of the ways, of course, to find him will be linked down in the show notes. Make sure that you check out his book, The Unknown Other and the Existential Proposition of Alien Contact, forward by Linda Moulton. How a phenomenal read. It should be on every ufologist. If you're interested in the phenomena at all, check this thing out because it's great. It's very comprehensive. There's some wonderful case studies in there that he did through Opus and through his Omega study. So make sure that you'll check that out. So uh, the music that you're listening to right now is Benny the Saint. Uh, make sure that you check out the links in the show notes for him. Uh, he's got some new stuff that he's working on, always coming up with bangers, so go check that out. Uh, if you would like to expand your experience with us here on the show, you can do so at expandingrealitypodcast.com. That is where all the links to all socials, Rockfin for our premium stuff, uh, also merchandise, so if you want to get some dope threads. we got some new cool t-shirts up there. We've been working with some artists, and it's awesome. So go check that out expanding reality linked in the show notes now uh, go out into this beautiful place whatever the hell this thing is guys and y'all just pick up a piece of litter buy somebody in line around you or near you a coffee or a water or a book or a pack of stamps however they come they come in a roll or sleeve of stamps whatever that is just do that it makes a massive difference the ripple effects ripple out and it's incredible so be nice to every animal, entity, lizard person, everybody that you come across, just a little smile, a little how you dern," something like that. Get out of the left-hand lane, of course, and uh, y'all just go out into this beautiful place, whatever the hell it is, and y'all just be good to one another. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next time.